0: Welcome to the Slided Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Nicole. Today, we are finally talking with Trig Watson. I recorded um, a podcast with him. We were both on Skype, and so we were using our phones as recording devices. So this sounds a little tiny bit off. I shouldn't probably point that out because you probably wouldn't notice it if I didn't. Anyways, Trig was actually my very first interview for Slided, we came up with the idea last August, almost a year ago, and at the time, Eric and I were spending a month on the road, uh, driving around all of America, and part of our stop was in was in Vegas for the Magic Live convention, and that's when we kind of found out about how uh, Magic Magazine was shutting down. So we started sort of pitching ideas of how could we sort of fill in the void since they didn't want to move into the digital era, and. Uh, we realized, you know, we have the ability to uh, do podcasts, do video shows and interviews and articles. And so um, on our way back home, we were already planning to stop, uh, stop at Trigg's place. I'd hang out with him for a couple days and then um, finish the drive back to Jacksonville, Florida. He lives in Dallas. So we interviewed him. I did a 45-minute um, interview with him regarding his life. However, we ended up losing the audio. It was our first interview and we were traveling, so unfortunately we don't have that. Today I talked to Treg about um, just his experience on cruise ships and working you know, as a magician on a cruise ship. And I think it's very interesting, especially if it's something you've ever considered or are thinking about wanting to do. He'll talk about uh, all the different things to consider if this is something you're interested in doing. So let's go ahead and jump on into the interview. All right, so first of all, how have you been?
1: I am great, thank you. Um, a lot of travels, uh, yeah. a lot of uh, working on um, some local local gigs as well that I've had in Dallas that have required some, you know, working on developing just some new material, so that's been really fun. And yeah, overall, traveling the world, doing what I love, making magic, I'm happy Yeah.
0: Camping so uh you've been doing a lot on cruise ships, right
1: yeah yep yeah. uh about half the half the bookings I get these days are on cruise ships um so I'm finding myself you know generally on a on a cruise ship once or twice a month um, okay and in between you know performing uh for you know corporate events both in Dallas and out of town
0: throughout the u s okay. That's cool. Like, how do you how do you like uh performing like on the on a cruise ship? Like, what are some pros and some cons with that?
1: Yeah. Uh, the pros are you're getting paid to travel. Hmm. Um, that's amazing. There are more pros than cons. Okay. In my, in my opinion, uh, they they pay relatively well. Uh, you get to go to places that you wouldn't normally get to go to. Um, you know, uh, on such a frequent basis, um. I really enjoy the the spaces, the venues in which I'm performing. I'm often performing in, you know, a, a 500 to 1200 seat theater mm-hmm. um, on these, on the larger ships, especially the theaters are really beautiful and there's a whole tech crew and stagehands. So I can do a lot of material that I wouldn't usually have the advantage of doing or have the ability to do mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, uh, shows that I get booked on land just because I'm often not in a theater. Right. So, so I've gotten to really, you know, create a show that fits in a larger theater. And um, it's just really and, and plus the, the other advantage is that I, it's an audience that I'm not working to get. I mean, in the truest sense, of the word a cruise ship audience is a captive audience there. There's nothing else. You know, there, there's not much else to do other than go to the show in the evening. So right. Um, unlike on land, I don't have to work really hard to sell tickets um Or promote the show, I get to just pretty much focus on developing and honing the material um that's a real luxury mm-hmm. um, that's the, awesome uh, yeah, it is great uh and and i'm also I have a lot of consistency you know I find that i'm pretty much working on I'm pretty much doing a the same show each time i I have two different shows I have an a show and a b show mm-hmm. um the main show that I do is forty five minutes uh and generally i'm performing in one night doing my show twice in, you know, one evening. Um, okay. and then later in the week I may have a, a shorter performance sharing the stage with another performer or, um, a secondary show in a smaller theater on the ship. Okay. Um, the other advantage is there is a lot of quote unquote downtime. I mean, I, I fill it pretty well, but, um, you know, when you're booked on a cruise ship, you know, you might be performing one or two nights, uh, max as a general rule. So there's a lot of time for me to work on material, to make, improvements to the show mm-hmm. to you know manage business stuff for my shows on land um so that's really nice as well so those are all that's, the pros
0: yeah and, and so focusing real quick a little more on the pros it sounds like this is all like right up your alley of like what you prefer to do as a magician since i've gotten to come to your place twice now and we yeah. and we, we talked about you in It was two podcasts ago because one of the questions was about creative engineering. And it was Eric, Sebastian, and I. And we're like, we're not entirely sure what that is. But if we think we could associate that with a person, it would be Trig. (laughs) Because you create, like, the majority of your magic. Is that correct? Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I
1: love love to build and tinker. And, you know, I, I love working in a workshop almost as much as I do... Well, I would actually say even as much as I do, um, performing on stage in front of an audience. Um, and you know, not all magicians like that. We all have our, you know, mm-hmm. what we, you know, aspects of the craft that we enjoy the most, but, um, you know, I really love making stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of my routines, you know, while, while there's varying, you know, you can get into debates about what is really original and what is, you know, reinventing the wheel. Uh, I mean, all my routines are, uh, have been crafted and kind of made unique to me. Um, and a lot of my presentations are twists on, you know, principles that have been around mm-hmm. forever. But yeah, most of the props I've built myself designed myself and um, you know, every now and then I'll have a builder uh, that will help, you know, like somewhat a professional builder who will help, you know, bring an idea into reality. Cause my, my carpentry skills only extend so far. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I love, I love the engineering, the development side of things as much as I do. Um, you know, the, the performing.
0: So you think when the person wrote to talk about creative engineering, we kind of, we got that correct when we were saying like that, just sort of being creative and making your own stuff. That would probably. If that, if sure. You I mean,
1: like yourself, I don't really know what creative engineering is either. I mean, in some, it could be a little bit redundant. I mean, you know, right. to me, engineering is very creative. I mean, the, but the way I see it, you know, it's, uh, it's the basically taking an idea and, And then problem solving and designing it and figuring out how to engineer whatever idea you had. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I do. Um, uh, It's certainly equal parts, you know, inspiration and perspiration. You know, the ideas Mm -hmm. are great and then takes a lot of work and problem solving and uh, strategic thinking to, you know, actually have them exist in the real world once you've, you know, once you've built it.
0: Yeah. I just love that you enjoy the process of creating almost, like as much as the performance cuz i can i can understand like i think everyone has a desire to be creative in some way and in some mm-hmm. area of their life and don't realize that i think everyone has the ability to be creative and may not know where to where to place that creative energy so i think that's really cool how creative you are with magic cuz i think that's something that's missing often in yeah. magic is that people see you know an awesome trick and then they buy and perform it without making it fit them and so you're taking concepts and then making it so like relevant to what's going on right now like mm-hmm. like so just to let our viewers know we actually interviewed trig god how long ago it's almost a year ago um no.
1: last year so yeah it's yeah, yeah. Uh... So almost
0: a year ago and unfortunately, with all the stuff we've been doing, we'd had it. Uh, we'd saved a bunch of stuff on a, like a, our slided hard drive, and we've lost that interview. But I remember you were um, at the time you were creating a video um, where you, you were using doing magic. Uh, about, what was it called? The Pokemon Go. You came Pokemon up with a magic Go. trick yeah. involving that, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Because you just get yeah, really yeah. relevant.
1: So. Sure. Yeah, and that video came out. It is on my YouTube channel. So they uh, mm-hmm. or Facebook. So yeah, that was Check a really fun out. project. Um, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I think I don't think you have to necessarily be a builder or like really crafty mm-hmm. to you know be creative and magic. I mean, mm-hmm. that's. But but that said, I I do agree that um, there is this very consumerist kind of uh, uh, aspect of of the art form and Mm -hmm. it always has existed where, you know, kind of this idea of buying a trick and then taking it off the shelf and immediately performing it. Um, and you know, there, I, I mean, there's plenty of people that, you know, I see magicians that, you know, may not customize the props per se, but put in a lot of work to to figure out what story they want to tell or Mm -hmm. what premise they want to add to, you know, an existing routine. Even if that routine "quote unquote" is off the shelf, they've put in the effort to really make it their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, there's varying ways to do that. You know, both from the storytelling, the scripting, um, personality, as as well as you know maybe building or customizing the the actual objects involved to, to suit who you are. Yeah,
0: um, exactly. And
1: you know, I, I it's I it's you know you kind of have to operate on all those layers. You know, once mm-hmm. once I've you know built a new idea um, or you know designed a new routine, uh, then you kind of, you know, I've, I've built the thing, but now I've got to put just as much work into the creative side of the, you know, the scripting and the -hmm. the premise and the acting side of things. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of layers that go into it.
0: Yeah. So how long have you been working on a cruise ship now?
1: Um, well, I perform a lot of different cruise ships. My, my first cruise ship booking was in November of 2015. Okay. Um, so I've been doing it you know, a year and a half, I guess you could say Mm -hmm. now roughly. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, still very new to that world. And, you know, again, I'm not, you know, on the same ship or I'm not on for months at a time. Um, I did do an eight week contract in Alaska last summer, which was great, but for the most part, I'm usually only on the ship for five to 10 days, Mm -hmm. you know, and then before returning back to land.
0: Okay. Also, I remember when I saw you, uh, last summer and we were, we got to watch your one of your shows which was really cool and then you were telling eric and i about how you watch it in order to you know perfect it sort of like i guess with the timing of jokes or just every detail Mm -hmm. could you tell me more about that process because i think that's really important i'd love for more people to like sort of hear kind of like how you go about making your show the best it possibly can be
1: sure yeah so um Uh, I was a theater major in college and I had a directing teacher um, who had a really, it was a really hands-on directing class. Basically uh, everybody in the class would be assigned to find a scene in some play and then ask uh, other acting majors, often, you know, underclassmen like freshmen, sophomores to um, fill in those roles. Mm -hmm. And we would, our job was to rehearse the scene, direct the scene with these people playing the characters and then bringing it in, bring it into class. Um, And then in the classroom, once, you know, the class had viewed the scene, the director would say, okay, let's, he would ask, okay, what worked and what didn't. And various class members would be able to um, raise their hand and offer, you know, a very straightforward uh, objective feedback about what they liked about the scene and what they thought could be improved. Um, And, then they'd be given the opportunity to actually take turns directing the actors in the room uh, to make those improvements. So it was very hands-on. And I really enjoyed... uh, That process kind of stuck with me. Um, So after I graduated, after I started working on, you know, really working hard on my own magic show, you know, I don't always have the luxury of having a director in the room, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to give me immediate feedback. So the way I do that, the way I give myself feedback at the best way I can do at this point really is, uh, recording myself. And I mean, I'm fortunate now to where I have a director, um, as well, but I still go the person, go through the personal process of, um, watching a recording of the show first before I even send it to him. Um, because it makes me notice certain details, you know, that I wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, basically every show I, I, try and film i make a point to set up a camera in the back I, these days i use a gopro camera just at the foot of the stage and i it's painful but i go through every single show you <laughs> know and and right watch you know and watching yourself on stage can often be torture because yeah you know, it's, it's not yeah. always fun to watch yourself but it's an important process to go through um, and i make a list of like what worked and what didn't and um i've gotten pretty comfortable with just you know really going through that mental process of identifying uh, timing uh, issues, maybe where I went off script, maybe where um, uh, I kind of went off on a tangent that really didn't go anywhere verbally, maybe where I didn't move my, uh, where I didn't really transition from one routine to the other from a prop management standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, I might notice ways I can fix that. I mean, literally everything, everything as well as like lighting and sound and, you know, notes for, you know, the stage crew in the future. Mm-hmm. Um it's yeah, it's a very detail-oriented process, and you know, I'm probably a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I I write out my notes. I'm you know, I I'm very I'm very left-brained, right brained person. If that makes sense, so I'm it makes you know, I think very orderly. Sense. Yeah, um, and not everyone's that way. I mean, you know, so you kind of find your own process. But for me, um, yeah, I make a lot of lists, and then you know, once I've got a list of what worked and what didn't, then I go through the what didn't list and I start you know, outlining, okay, what, what are repairs that need to be made? What are things that need to be rehearsed? You know, I turn those into action steps and then schedule those routines to be worked on in my, you know, next opportunity to rehearse, you know, in my at home or, you know, uh, in the theater. And, you know, it's just a process. It's a cyclical process. Then I'm, you know, do the same thing for the next show and it just gets incrementally better.
0: So, um, I, when you mentioned um, that it can be torture <laughs> i mm-hmm. i when i got my masters in counseling we would have all of our counseling sessions were recorded like they had a video camera sound everything and so then right. you know once a week you meet with your supervisor and you would watch certain you know sessions you had with clients and i remember at first it was like the absolute worst thing like it just was horrible to watch myself counsel someone because it's just mm-hmm. very it's awkward to watch yourself and then you just are picking apart You're like oh I'm so dumb like I made all these mistakes mm-hmm. but I look back at that time and now know that it made me so much better at what I was doing and yes. it's a painful process but I think you know I would hope that anyone listening to this will do it because it's. I think it's also super necessary especially because it's not i don't think it's good enough just to record yourself and you watch it i think that is super important but then to have another person watch it as well and be willing to give objective feedback as painful and scary as that might be like how how else are you going to get better you know
1: yes so. yeah and you know you're you're right um another another really valuable lesson that i learned from my directing class was that uh when when other classmates were providing feedback in the classroom mm-hmm. to the director, um, we, the, the director, and I mean, in this case, me, you know, if I brought in a scene, I was forbidden from responding to the feedback that was given.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, if someone says, well, Trig, I, you know, I thought, you know, you could have, um, I thought you spoke really fast here, and I didn't think that joke you said was funny, as a general rule we have we have a tendency to say okay yeah but the reason I said this joke was because this this and this like we 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 want to defend our right. our reasoning and right. by there being a rule in the class that we weren't allowed to respond it freed us up to not have to defend our choices and
0: mm-hmm. just to
1: take the note and then objectively decide on our own whether that was a a a note that was worthy of consideration or not um, yeah. So, you know, that's something that, and it's really tough because we want to let, you know, we, we sort of often, regardless, even if we're taking it, taking feedback with a grain of salt, we do kind of tend to take it personally. Absolutely. Um, and have a tendency to want to respond. So, but now, you know, I've gotten to the point where I have, you know, the director that I work with, you know, he'll look at my video footage and he'll provide all kinds of, you know, very straightforward criticism. And my only job is to th- say thank you very much. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a good relationship now to where once he's gone through all his notes, I may ask for clarification. But it's never uh, like a battle, you know. Uh, right. And that's really important. It's, it, there's a lot, it's really inefficient if you start, you know, trying to um, debate someone else's feedback. Uh, you, right. know, you, can, you can always decide whether to take that feedback or not. The, the main job exactly. is just to listen and take it in.
0: I think it's important to, in order to allow someone to give you that feedback is to find a person you do trust and know that they have your best interests at heart. Because if you have that trust there, then you know that, yeah, some of the things they said might feel hard to hear, but at least you know that they're doing it because they want you to be the best that you can be. So I think, yes. you know, anyone listening could make that decision like who who can I trust that would have a good critical eye? Because I know uh Eric and Sebastian do that for each other and we talked Mm -hmm. about that on the podcast like a a few weeks ago about how you know they've like how they've both grown when they finally started being a little bit more I want to say harsher but I think that has a negative connotation but maybe it's just more honest and not trying to like always make the person feel good but about being like hey That didn't work, you know, and this is why. Because then you're, by doing that, it's hard to hear, but you're actually helping them, like, immensely grow, so.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you really do have to find someone that you really, that you're on solid ground with as, a like, interpersonally to where you're not, you know, there's that innate trust there that allows you to be brutally honest without thinking that you're going to hurt the other person's feelings or that you're, you know, making it a personal jab to them.
0: Right. What was it like... For you, when you first started that class and you first experienced that kind of feedback, like, was it really hard or like, how did that sort of feel the first couple of times you did it? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I guess personality wise, I've always been pretty comfortable receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But I, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, at some point in my life, you know, when I, I, I mean, I remember when, I mean, this is a good point, when I was like six or seven, I'd say, hey, mom, dad, look, look at this new trick that I figured out. And then they would say, well, Trig, we saw you throw the stuffed tiger behind the your back. <laughs> and I'd say, no, you didn't. I get so mad. <clears throat> like, how dare they see what I did and then have the gall to tell me, you know, that like, Um, you know, I, I remember really taking it personally and, and as, obviously as you get older, I mean, you know, as I took these classes, you, you learn to value the criticism, even though it hurts because it means that you've got more work to do. Um, but I mean, you know, in the directing class, I I think, you know, it was, it was, if anything, it was a little uncomfortable at first to receive criticism Mm -hmm. from your classmates, but we all had worked together long enough to where we all kind of knew that we were all friends. We, you know, we got along. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some people that it was harder for other, you know, harder than others. Um, right. you know, some, some people, you know, especially people that are maybe more competitive personalities, it uh, mm-hmm. can be a little harder to receive that feedback and not, you know, uh, take it personally or feel the need to react. Um, so yeah, it certainly takes a little bit of getting used to.
0: I've definitely had that experience because we also did, group discussions where we'd have group supervision. Mm-hmm. And so I remember at one point being in a group with a person that I didn't really like. And so when this person gave me feedback, I just wanted to be like, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Like I, it was so hard <laughs> for me to be objective yeah. and think, you know what, even though I don't like this person, uh, they actually might still have something to offer, which is so hard when someone gives you feedback and you just Kind of don't respect that person because even with those people, there's still potentially truth in what they're saying. Yes. So, which can be hard. But anyways, moving on. Um, so back to working on a cruise ship. What's kind of a random question, but what's been your favorite location that you've gotten to travel to, and just any stories that have just like a great experience of uh, traveling?
1: Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, last year was pretty amazing. Um, I can't remember exactly the number, but I got to visit, I mean, I, I know it was at least 50 different countries, which is pretty incredible. That is crazy.
0: Um, wow.
1: This is, I mean, this is including, like, the uh, the Caribbean islands, which are, you know, many are, you know, countries in and of themselves. Um, so let me see. Actually, I do have a list here. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to see.
0: Yeah, name some places. Did an
1: Instagram posts. You know what? I completely take that back. I just way overestimated.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I
1: visited half that. I visited 24 U.S. countries um, and 12 U.S. states last year. Um, It feels like 50.
0: Do you say 24? It's not like you said 24 U.S. countries? No, no,
1: no. 12 U.S. states...
0: Twelve U.S. states
1: and and twenty four different countries.
0: Oh, different. Gotcha. That's even though you overestimated twenty four is still huge. Like that's still it felt amazing. like fifty.
1: But I'm really glad I made a list. That way, that prevents me from exaggerating again. <laughs> yeah, um, I can keep myself honest. Um, so yeah. So uh, the highlight for me, I was I was fortunate enough to get booked on a cruise ship that went to Southeast Asia. Nice. Um, it started in started in Hong Kong and ended in Australia, and we went to. Uh, I mean, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Thailand, um, Singapore—you know, on the way. And Vietnam was the real highlight for me. Really? Um, Yeah, I love. I mean, being in Ho Chi Minh City, the capital, seeing—you know—the insane traffic where most of the traffic is little motorbikes. Yeah, yeah. You know, scooters that people are on, and it's like these swarms of ants. You know, if you looked at it from a distance, you just there's—it's complete chaos. There are no lanes just like all these people on these little scooters running you know from place to place so that was really interesting the there was a place called Ha Long Bay which is in north north of the country in the north northern part of the country on the coast and it's this really kind of dreamy lagoon kind of area it's a UNESCO World Heritage site um, and has these i kind of felt like i could have it was something out of Peter Pan's mm-hmm. never neverland never you know like the lagoon and it, the really sort of uh, foggy with these crazy towering hills out made out of rock that just like emerged from the water, just really striking visual. That um, sounds beautiful. Yeah, that was the, you should Google it. Check out how long Bay H A L O N G. Um, you'll see what I mean. Um, the, uh, yeah, so that was, that was definitely, I think the highlight so far, um, but I mean, I got to spend the summer in Alaska last year, which was just incredibly beautiful. Um, You know, in Alaska, you're constantly reminded that how small you are because there's you know these gigantic mountains looming up above you in every direction. You know, living living in Texas, you get kind of used to being bigger than everything around you. Like you know, if you stand on the ground, you look out and you see some buildings and stuff, but there's no land that's taller than you. It's just so flat. So it's just bizarre to then land in Alaska to where you've got this you know these majestic peaks. Um, on all sides of you you know it really it's very it can be a very spiritual experience it kind of reminds you how small you are in the grand scheme of things you know it was really uh kind of puts you in its in your place in a really good way (laughs) yeah um so that was that was definitely a highlight as well last year
0: yeah for sure so um with traveling a lot because it sounds like you're traveling quite a bit does Mm -hmm. it ever get lonely like is that you know because you're Cause if you're on like different cruise ships, you're not, it sounds like you're, you know, you're meeting a ton of new people all the time, but it sounds like maybe it's like a little less stable rather than living in one area. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, or absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think we've transitioned into the con side okay. of the conversation, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do have to, I mean, I, I really love traveling. I love being on the go. I like to meet new people. Um, so for me, I, I enjoy it. Um, but of course, absolutely there are times that I you know I do kind of miss having a more I guess, you know, as consistent community of friends and you know, I'm I'm home more than half the year, so okay. you know, I I still am kind of, you know, grounded in that way. Um, you know, I have lots of friends in Dallas. Um but it is something it is a challenge sometimes, especially if you're on for your way for um if you're traveling from place to place, jumping from ship to ship, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um you are kind of on your own you're not quite a passenger you're not quite a crew member you're not really on the ship long enough to become really close friends with those that work on the ship um so it is a very um in some ways it can be a very isolating life uh but of course the perk is that you meet people from all around the world and you make new friends every day Um, right so you know i now have the luxury of you know like you know, name a city and I will likely have met one or two people from there. And that's, that's really fun to know that, you know, I could land in any country and at least have a few contacts to connect. Yeah.
0: That's Um, awesome.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's not something that I'll see my, you know, I'm, I'm single, you know, I I don't have family. If I had, um, if I had a wife and kids, it would be a whole lot harder. Right. um, Right. you know, who knows what's, you know, the future holds for me. I don't, I don't plan to necessarily do ships forever, but at the moment it's a good it's a great experience to be having while I'm young and while I'm kind of unattached and enjoying, uh, enjoying, you know, experiencing all these different corners of the world.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of jealous because I actually have always leaned towards being a little bit more like on the nomadic side. Like I, sure. Once I start traveling it, I have maybe a couple moments where I'll be like, Oh, I'm a little homesick. But then for the most part, it's like, I just constantly meeting new people and having experience that I actually will it sounds bad. It's like I almost forget about my home and the people there because I'm, like, so engrossed in what I'm doing. Sure, sure. I don't know if that's true for you at all, if you're... Yeah, I mean,
1: what's funny is I think I often feel more isolated when I'm home. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, you know, I'm not I'm not home enough to where I really... I mean, I have good friends, but I'm, you know... Um, when you're moving around so much, you kind of get used to just that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm home in the same place, you know, your uh, <laughs> loneliness can kind of set in more because you're aware of the fact that you haven't really woven this fabric of really close friendships, close right. ties where you live. Um, and that'd be different. If I was, if I'd stayed still for like a few months at a time, like that would change. I would, you know, I would
0: mm-hmm.
1: have more of a strong, you know, friend base at home. But um, yeah, it's like anything, there are, there are pluses and minuses. I... Um, you know, another... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> um, another challenge of um, ships, you know, is that you have to uh, have your entire show fit in a couple suitcases. Um, yeah. So, you know, in some ways that can be a little limiting. I, I'm very prop heavy. I, you know, I like really visual magic. And even though I'm not doing large-scale illusions, I do have a lot of stuff in my act. And I am constantly calling it around airports. Um you know, it's the less glamorous side of show business, right? Um, and you know that can get a it's a little it's a you know it's a little inefficient to be constantly spending your life unpacking and repacking your show. Um, it's just kind of as part of the gig, um, you know, uh, when you're when you're working on ships.
0: Yeah. So what I was gonna say is, like, I when you were talking about kind of being isolating at home, like that transition of going from traveling to you know, being back, like, and Mm -hmm. I I felt this, like, on a very minuscule scale in comparison, but Eric and I now, for two summers in a row, for the entire month of August, have traveled Yes. and go from state to state, and and every time I've gotten home, like, I'll just have, like, this weird, it's, like, for a week of, like, transitioning back to not traveling, I'm, like, because I'll just get used to, like, oh, we're gonna be in this city, and then this Mm -hmm. city, and then, oh, now I'm just, like, gotta get back to, you know, normal life. And I'm like, Oh, I miss that. I love, I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I had a follow up question. Now I'm forgetting what the question was. Um, uh, I think I had to do, Oh, I remember. Um, I thought something that, that was cool was that I, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I see that you also can have friends join you here and there. So I think I saw that your sister joined you, right? Is that yeah
1: yeah I've had so far I've had all my I've had my mom dad and sister join me on various cruise bookings um over the past year so that's been really fun especially to be able to share that world with them exactly it's one thing to talk about you know I am working on a cruise ship but it's another thing to kind of have them see what it's like to you know see me doing my show and um, get to visit some neat places
0: yeah that's awesome and now Eric's going to be joining you Soon, yes. Are you in like jealous? A few days. <laughs> I am. So, I'm like super uh, jealous. I'm like
1: I know. I wish I wish I there. could convince them that I could <laughs> I wish I could convince them that I could have two guests instead of well, one. But um that's the yeah. um the the so yeah, so I, I'm fortunate to being a solo a solo as a solo performer, solo act, I don't have an assistant or another yeah. person that you know is in my show. So what that means is hypothetically, you know, in a in a in a I mean cruise ship hotel rooms, state rooms can be pretty small. Some are larger yeah. than others, but, you know, at the very least, it's a, you know, there's there's room for, you know, two uh, small beds or, you know, a big king or something. So I can, you know, I can have a roommate, you know, for a contract, and that's that's really fun. Um, you know, it's Listen, another perk.
0: I think you need an assistant. I'm going to drop what I'm doing. I'm going <laughs> to become your magic assistant because this sounds way more exciting.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm sorry to say that I've had a few people – uh, extend this. the same offer. So you're on the list. You're on the waiting list. I'm on the waiting list. Oh, it's
0: going to be a while. Nice. All right. Any other cons for cruise ships that you've noticed? or um,
1: huh, Other cons? No, if not, not really. No, it's okay. pretty
0: great. <laughs> it sounds great. Um, how do you, like, so if someone was interested that they've been working as a magician and they want to get into this job that you're doing, is, do you have Mm -hmm. any advice for that?
1: Sure. Um, from what I understand, the cruise ship industry is very small world and you don't really go to a cruise ship to like put together a show, right? Like, um, you you definitely want to have a really strong forty five minute show. Uh, I mean, I would actually say if before you even consider cruises, you should have at least ninety to a hundred minutes of material.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: and have really two shows with you know a climax. And, and granted, like my show has gotten significantly better since I started cruises. You know, mm-hmm. I've been really working hard on it. But I at the very least, i had been performing professionally for a long time. I had. Um, I already had a show that was was decent. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say make sure, like, you know, work comedy clubs or, you know, corporate events, whatever it is, really make sure that you have a solid show first uh, because cruise ships are not the place to kind of start your career necessarily as a a performer. Um, uh, You know, some people work with agents. I have an agent that books me for um, cruise ships. Um, I also have um well i so i have an agent uh, some people don't um some people book direct but i i mean in my experience most people do have an agency that books them so that means in order to get an agent you're going to need video footage of your show and a really solid uh reel showcasing what you do um, i also took a course uh called gigs on ships which is um i highly recommend uh, for anybody who's interested in pursuing the cruise market Uh, especially as a magician Um, there's a magician named Fred Becker Fred and his wife Bobby uh, they together have written this course it's a three month course it's not cheap but it's uh, it's worth its weight in gold I mean the um, the information basically covers how to not only how to get an agent but how to you know behave on your first cruise ship booking how to travel with all your stuff I mean it's literally a soup to nuts course in how to get into and work in the cruise ship industry Um, So highly recommend gigs on ships. I think the website is the same name Um, and that's been super helpful. Uh, You know, also just uh, making a point to talk with people like myself uh, who are working cruise ships as well. You know, it's, I've always gotten so much great advice just from asking people that are doing what I want to do. Um, And uh, of course, if anyone ever has any questions, you know, I'm always happy to happy to answer through Facebook or, or email or anything like that.
0: Okay, nice. Uh, um, so yeah so you had you got an agent first then before you got booked and and so you had to have a show already put together right so you had that all correct yeah videoed. I mean I already
1: yeah I'd been working on my show my stage show for a long time I'd been working uh some comedy clubs locally in Dallas quite a bit and so okay. I had video footage from that um in and around you know a lot of corporate bookings and things okay. of that nature as well gotcha
0: that's awesome and, and the re- the reason
1: i say the reason I say that you really want to make sure that you have a a, a good show first is because uh, it, you really have only one chance to make a good first impression um, your Your show is rated by the cruise director, and uh, passengers also say how they thought about the entertainment so okay. what they thought of the entertainment so you know if I was to go on a ship and you know for the, my first cruise ship. And the cruise director thought my show could have been better and wrote a, you know, lackluster review for it combined with audience members that, you know, maybe thought I wasn't as good as some of the other shows mm-hmm. they had. Then that it would be very difficult for me to get booked back at that cruise line in the future. Right. Um, so you really want to go in, you know, once you have a really solid show so that you can get booked back and because mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to redeem yourself, I
0: guess. Yeah. Thanks. Nice. Well, we are running out of time. Do you want to say anything else just about your experience with uh, cruise ships? Because I really, I know we went into this interview and it, it, we weren't necessarily going to talk about it, but now that we have talked about it, I really do think it's a great conversation to have since there might be a lot of people out there that maybe have never even considered it or have been interested, but just have no idea like how to get into it.
1: So Yeah, man. sure. Um, I mean, I get you know I, I, originality. Well, going bringing this full circle, yeah. originality, I think, uh, is more and more really important. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of people, a lot of magicians that have worked on cruise ships in the past that have gotten away kind of building their career on doing material that everyone else is doing. You know, mm-hmm. that it's sort of this running gag where basically everyone on a cruise ship feels like they've seen the linking rings, mm-hmm. uh, bandana, uh, the bandana bandana r- routine, and a bowling ball coming out of a notebook. Because they're big visual routines that pack relatively flat, and um, they're good to do. But uh, it, cruise audiences have seen them. So, you know, I, I do get a lot of positive feedback because I'm doing a show that has material that's very different than a lot of other magicians. So anything you can do to stand out and show that you're you know, kind of updating the art and pushing the craft forward, um, I think will certainly work to your advantage.
0: Um, I'm assuming that it's starting to become... Like, the people booking are now actually expecting some creativity, right? Like, I think it seems like we're moving kind of in a positive direction. It seems like there has to be, like, more standards, that they're not just letting you get away with, you know...
1: Right, that yeah. I mean, you know, there's more magic on TV at the moment. I mm-hmm. think people's standards for magicians have improved, which is am- which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does come with some responsibility as well to make sure that we meet their expectations. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, last thing, um, if people... Do you happen to have any, like, maybe short videos on your either Instagram or Facebook that people can watch? I just... I ask because I love your stuff and I want people to see it, so...
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of um, footage of my show, my mm-hmm. stage show up on online, but um, absolutely, I, you know, it's been a while since I put up a new video, but if you go on either my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Trig Watson, and click on videos, or just go on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Trig Magic, uh, you can check out some of, my, uh, some of my videos.
0: Awesome. And we will post some on Slided when this gets released. Great. So thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to me.
1: Yeah, of course.